0: All right, love you so much. You ready for the word? Well, we're in this sermon series called uh, The Necessity of an Enemy. And we've been teaching on the three enemies that we all face. We all have the same three enemies the world, the flesh, and the devil. We all fight those enemies all of our lives. And, And listen, you always need to know who you're fighting. You can't cast out self, you can't cast out the flesh you got to die to your flesh, die to yourself. It's the enemy that you fight for deliverance and fight to, to cast out. And spiritual warfare overcomes the enemy, but dying to self overcomes the flesh. And, and as we saw last week, faith and love for God and renewing your mind and dying to the world and, and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, overcomes the world. Now, I'm preaching today a message called uh, A World of Lies. And I want you to remember what the word world means in the Greek, which the Bible, the New Testament was written in. The biblical Greek word for world is, is cosmos. And it's not talking about our planet Earth, but the present order and systems that rule the world. Remember, Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, Satan is the god of this world. The God of the order, of the systems that are running everything. First John 5.19 says that we know we are the children of God, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Please understand that. Our current world order and, and the systems that run everything are under the destructive rule of Satan. And because of that, the world has taken on the character of Satan. And what is that nature? Well, we see from this verse, he is the evil one. So obviously his character is, is evil, but we can know what he does uh, uh, by looking at his names. And there's uh, lots of different names for Satan in the Bible, but he's called the tempter because he tempts us to sin. And then he's called the accuser because then when you do give in to his temptation, he immediately turns it around and starts accusing you and condemning you for, for sinning. Hey, I just see the walkers down here. I, I, man, it's great seeing you guys. You're moving back, right? Don't break Pastor Joe's heart. Come on. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. It's great seeing you today. Um, but he's called the adversary because he's always fighting us. Yeah. Always. He's the enemy. He's called the thief because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, but there are three names, three of the names of Satan that go together liar, deceiver, Father of lies. That means he's the source of all lies and deception. Satan's main work, what Satan is always doing, is trying to deceive us, to keep us from the truth. And since Satan lies and Satan deceives, the world that he is God of is taking on that character a world of lies. Because of the deception that's spread by the deceiver. Here's what Jesus said about Satan in John 8 44. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he it is consistent with his character. (laughs) For he's a liar and the father of lies. If the devil's lips are moving, he's lying. I can't tell you one of the most frustrating things as a pastor is when people come to me and say, oh, Pastor Joe, the devil's been saying this to me. I'm like, now you do know he's a liar, right? Yeah, but he's really really been saying it to me. But you really know he's a liar, right? The truth is not in him. He's a father of lies. Yet so many people fall for it because deception is the main tool of the enemy. Now listen, when Jesus listed the signs of the end times, and by the way, his disciples had asked him about that, you know, what's the signs of the end? And and I preached a series on that, I think it was last year, and, and you, you need to probably go back and listen to that because all the signs we're seeing before our very eyes, all of them. But the very first one he mentioned as the signs of the end was deception. In Matthew 24, that whole chapter is about the end times, In verses 3 through 6, the disciples asked Jesus, What are the signs of your coming? And, And Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear awards and rumors of war, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. And Jesus went on to list other signs of the times, increase in earthquakes and increase in pandemics, a, a pestilence, all those kind of things. We're, we're seeing them before our very eyes, anarchy and lawlessness, all those things. But the very first one was deception. In fact, six times in that chapter, he mentioned deception. And that, that's so important. Deception is one of the main signs of the last days. And we know that the Bible teaches. I don't have time to get into this, that there is a coming Antichrist and a false prophecy who will really elevate deception into a false prophet. They'll elevate deception into an art form. But that Antichrist spirit is already at work in the world. What's it doing? Second John seven and eight says this: Many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. That's the antichrist spirit. It's a spirit of deception that keeps people from faith in Jesus Christ. It also works to try to lead believers astray from the the, the truth uh, of God's words. The Bible talks about lying signs and wonders and, and trying to deceive the very elect if that was possible. The enemy wants to lead everyone as far as he can away from the truth of God's word. So we must stay on guard. And everywhere you look today, you hear about deception and people falling away from the faith. And Jesus says that is only going to increase. We must be prepared for it, not surprised by it or discouraged by it. Because the spirit of this world, which is a world of lies, is working overtime to eliminate, listen, to eliminate the truth of God from our culture. That's the goal of the enemy. You watch it. It's trying to shut down the ability to speak truth in our culture and replace it with deception. It's happening in other nations of the world where if you take Bible stands on certain issues that the world considered uh, that you shouldn't say anything about. They consider it even hate speech to say certain things are wrong that God says are wrong. You watch that. That, that. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised by that. The enemy wants to eliminate truth from our culture, from our, from our world, and replace it with deception. And the only way for us to, 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 for it not to happen to, for, to us is us to build on that firm foundation, the Word of God and the character of God. Amen. One of Satan's biggest goals is deceive you, to deceive you into not believing the Word of God or in the goodness of the character of God. That goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Satan's a liar, and he casts doubt on the Word of God all the way back at the very beginning. Genesis 3, way back at the beginning of your Bibles. You can turn there. We'll have, we always have the passages up on the screen, but Genesis 3, 1 through 7 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any living creature the Lord God had made. And this was the, the, the devil at this point uh, working through this serpent. And he said to the woman, he said to the woman, Listen, listen what he said. Did God really say? King James says, hath God said, did God really say you must not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman said, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. Remember the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those three things we all tempted with. There they are all the way in the garden. She took some and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. In this passage. We see Satan's three big lies. Get these down. Get these. Write these down. Remember these. Take pictures of them when they're on here. Go back tomorrow. Look at my notes online or look at the, the PowerPoint online. Like these are the three things that the enemy really wants to work and these against you. And these are the main three big lies of the world. Number one, the world wants to deceive you into believing that God's word is not true. Secondly, The world wants to deceive you into believing that God is not good and that he wants to withhold good things from you. That's what Satan was saying to the woman. And thirdly, he wants to deceive you into believing that you can be the God of your own life. God of your own world. Let's look at those three things. Number one, the world's first lie is that God's word is not true. And the world... world, the God of this world casts doubt on the Word of God by saying things like, "Did God really say that? Does the Bible really mean what it says? Does the Bible really apply to us anymore anyway? I mean, it's, it's an old book. I mean, it was written thousands of years ago. It was written to people back in ancient times. What has that got to do with us? I've had people tell me that. I've had my own family members say that to me. And I tell them, "The Bible's not old. The Bible's eternal. The word of God is eternal. There's a difference between old and eternal. Eternal is an ever-present now. No past, no present, no future. God dwells in an eternalness of, uh, 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 of now. And this word is a now word. It was a now word whenever it was written thousands of years ago. It's a now word today. It will be a now word forever. It will last forever. When God had this book written, he knew what the world would be like today. He's not caught by surprise. God knows the end from the beginning. But the enemy wants to cast doubt, and there's so many in this generation saying that, well, that, that word is it's not for today. It doesn't apply today. Satan wants to keep you out of the word, and if he can't do that, he'll twist the word to make you believe something that's not really true. Listen, we've got to be so familiar with the truth of the Word of God that we immediately recognize lies because Satan knew if he could get Adam and Eve to doubt God's Word, then he could have his way with them, and he did. And he knows if he can get you to doubt God's Word, he can have his way with you. That's why he spreads deception. And we live in a world, isn't it amazing now, we live in a world when nobody knows who to believe anymore. Isn't that true? I mean, you hear news on the, about vaccine, news about people dying from COVID and this. And some people think, well, you can't believe that source. And other people say, well, you can't believe this source. And nobody hardly knows who to believe anymore. You better determine who you're going to believe. And I'm telling you, the only sure foundation in this world right now is the word of God. Always has been, always will be. A- and we've got to be grounded in it. Jesus prayed for us. You know Jesus prayed for you in the Bible? And John 17, his high priestly prayer, he prayed for everyone. And he said, I also pray for those who will believe on me in the future. Yeah. And here's what he prayed for all of us in John 17, 16 through 17. They are not of the world. That's us. We're not of this world. We don't belong to the world. Just as I am not of the world, world, sanctify them by your truth. Listen, your word is truth. Get those words in you. God's word is truth. When you got to make a decision, when people are telling you lies, when you're hearing news on TV, when you don't know what to believe, God's Word is true, always has been, always will be, and you can only overcome this world of lies with the truth of God's Word. And listen, once you make up your mind and believe this is absolutely the truth, once you make up your mind to believe that everything changes, decisions become easier. Because now, what does the Bible say? And if the Bible addresses this issue, it's pretty clear what I do. I do what the Bible says. As you know the word, deception becomes more and more obvious to you. You may not even know right offhand what that was, but you just know it doesn't sound right to you because when you first, when you become to believe that God's word is true, all of a sudden everything changes. And, and, but unfortunately, as we learned last week, the God of this world is working overtime to eliminate truth from our culture and replace it with deception. And many, even many believers have been taken captive by this world of lies. Last week, I showed you some results from Barner Research that shows while 51% of Americans say they have a biblical worldview, only 6% actually do. And that means many people who even call themselves believers or call themselves Christians or followers of Christ don't really have a biblical worldview. And I explained all that last week and what that means. And you can go back and listen to that that sermon on the War of the Worlds if you want to know more about that. But it showed that research, this is so sad to me, showed that less than one out of three born-again Christians... Out of people who say they're believers, less than one out of three, less than a third of them believe in absolute moral truth. And the surveys found that only 13% of people make decisions based on the principles taught in the Word of God. And people wonder why their lives are so messed up. And they will say, Oh, that book is old. I don't want to live by that. I'm going to live my way. And their marriages fall apart. Their lives fall apart, their finances fall apart, their health falls apart, everything around them falls apart, but they're saying, they're singing, I did it my way. (laughs) Well, lots of good that, did you? But so many people are living that way that's why we must have our, eye, our, our minds transformed with the truth of God's word. And that only happens when you believe that God's word is absolutely true, absolutely authoritative, absolutely applicable or applicable to every area of your life. And, and, and to have a worldview that's based on the Bible overcomes the lies of the world. But first you've got to first believe that there is absolute truth and it's in God's word. I'll never forget a conversation I had years ago with a young man in a restaurant in Arlington. You worked at Southwest back then and we went out with Stephanie and she had a boyfriend or a guy she was dating. And this guy went on and on about there being no absolutes. And I'm a kind of an easygoing guy and I usually I kind of take stuff for a while but finally I can, could take it no longer about him talking about no absolutes. So I asked him, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> he said, "Yeah, I'm sure." I said, "You're absolutely sure that there's no absolutes." Because if there are no absolutes, then that statement that there are no absolutes is untrue. Because it's an absolute statement. And I could see he was kind of his mind was kind of going crazy. And he said, what, what, what do you mean? And I kind of explained to them, well, an absolute truth is something that's true. Uh, and, and it's not dependent upon anybody else or anything else. It's not relative. It doesn't change with every circumstance or every person. It's a universe, universal truth. And he asked me to name one. And I said, well, how about gravity? That's a universal truth. That's an absolute truth. And I said, we can prove it. Uh, and I wanted to say this. I didn't. But here's what I wanted to say. Let's go outside. You get up on this building. I'm absolutely sure you will fall off when you step off the edge. I'm absolutely sure, gravity, you will fall and you will get hurt. But if you don't think there's absolute truth, why don't you give it a shot? But I didn't say that. I had mercy. But instead, I repeatedly and annoyingly picked up a fork and dropped it on the table in a restaurant. I'm using... Deb knows I don't like to draw attention to myself in public. But here I am, and it clanked more. I just kept doing that. And he's like, what are you doing? Well, I said, I'm showing to you that I am absolutely sure that every time I let go of this fork, it is absolutely going to fall to this table. Do you have any doubt in your mind that when I drop this fork, it's just going to be suspended in midair? Well, he mumbled something about... Overcoming gravity by going into space. And I said, Well, there's another absolute. You know, you get outside of the pull of the gravitational pull of the earth, and you get out in the middle of, uh, of space without that gravity. I'm absolutely sure that this fork would float in, in midair. And I went on and on to talk about other absolutes like one plus one is always two, a square always has four sides. You absolutely need oxygen to live. I mean, you don't believe that's absolutely true? Let me grab a hold of your mouth and nose and hang on to it for a couple of minutes. <laughs> And we'll see, but I'm absolutely sure that. Nevertheless, let me just say I ruined the evening. I really did. I'm not. I don't usually do this, but he sat around pouting all day, all night after that. It was it was it was no fun. But that is so typical of a current worldview that says there's no absolute truth, and you can make up your own. It's not even unbiblical. Not just unbiblical. It's illogical. And to overcome the lies of the world, you don't, you don't absolutely have to always show them from the Bible. You can just show them how their thinking is so irrational, Ill, Ill, illogical. That's why when people say to me, there's no absolutes, I, I, I tell them that statement cannot be true because it's an absolute statement. And if there's no absolutes, then that statement cannot be true because it's an absolute statement. That's what I do. I just turn their reasoning back on them. If they say there's no right or wrong, I say, is that right? or is that wrong? Because if that statement is either right or wrong, then that means there, there is right or wrong. If they say there's no, ultimately, no ultimate truth, I say, is that true? Is your statement true? Because if your statement's true, then there is ultimate truth. If they say we can't know anything for sure, I, I ask them, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure you can't know anything for sure? Because if you're sure that you can't know anything for sure, then the statement that you can't know anything for sure is false. It's amazing how people fall into this irrationality when they get away from truth. And and, and that's why we must be people who are grounded in the truth of God's Word because the world wants to lie to us and steal truth from us. The world's second big lie is that God is not good. The enemy was trying to tell Eve that. Oh, you know, God's trying to... You know, think about this. All the trees in the garden, and the enemy focuses on the one you can't have. Yeah. Oh, man, God is so mean. God's holding, withholding from you. You know, why, why would God withhold? It just yeah. People have crazy beliefs about God today, too, and and some of them believe God's not good, God's not loving, uh, or he does nothing to stop evil in this world. Uh, by the way, this phrase, I believe in God, is pretty much meaningless today. Yeah. Yeah. When people say they believe in God, you better ask them, who is God to you? Yeah. That, that would be my next question. Uh, who, who's God? Because people make up a God. Yeah. They believe a, in a God that fits in their idea of who God should be, rather than who God really is. A God of their own making. A God they can control. A God who excuses them for everything they ever do wrong. Listen, I don't want, if, if there's a God of my making, that would make me God of that God. Come on. You don't want a God of somebody else's making. In Exodus three fourteen, God says to Moses, I am who I am, not I am who you want me to be. Right. I am who I am. And when we make God who we want him to be rather than who he is we make him an image of the actual God and that God says have no other gods before me that's idolatry and so we create this image of God that's manageable and, and willing to do what we want it doesn't convict us when we do anything wrong but the but but this it's it's only a copy it's only a duplicate it's only an imitation a cheap imitation of the real thing it's not the real thing it's an idol and idol are images they resemble God but they're far from who God really is and 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 idolatry that doesn't need to be some wooden statue that you, that you worship, but just a wrong idea and believing lies about God and serving that. So when you start believing that God is not good and that, or that God is all-inclusive and all roads lead to heaven, doesn't matter what you believe or how you live, you're going to end up with, with, with or, or God doesn't really convict anybody of sin. Doesn't, God doesn't care how you live, anything like that. That's a false image of God. And we may, when we make up our own image of God, we'll always be disappointed. I'll, idols will always fail us. Yeah. Listen to what Psalm 115, 3-8 says about idols. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Wow. You need to get that down. But their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. And the Bible in lots of places talk about the ridiculousness of people making an idol with their own hands, a literal idol, and then turning around and worshiping this idol that they made with their own hands. He's like, how crazy are you? Here's the thing about idols: they have mouths they cannot speak, eyes they cannot see, ears but they cannot hear, noses but they cannot smell, they have hands but they cannot feel, feet but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. This idol shows us that this it passage shows us that idols have no power. And people who begin to trust in idols, false images of God, have no power. They don't see truth. They don't hear truth. They don't speak truth. They they don't understand it because they've got a twisted view of who God is. That's the God of this world. That's the world of lies. Twisting your view of God. Satan wants you to not believe in God. But if you do, he wants to twist that image of God into something that's not true. So you've got to be grounded in the word and grounded in the goodness of the character of God. And then one of the biggest lies perpetrated on the world and by the world is that you can create your own truth. This is so common today. This third big lie is that you can be like God. Always remember this. There is a God and you're not him. Say this after me. There is a God, and I'm not him. Always remember that. There is a God. He does what pleases him. And we serve him, so we do what what pleases him. You're not the creator. You're not the savior. You're not the Lord. And you do not have the power to determine ultimate truth. Only God has that power. Yet this world is full of people saying, oh, this is my truth. It might not be true for you, but this is my truth. It's true for me. And so people say things. Like, Jesus might be truth for you, but for me it's Buddhism, or for me it's Islam, or for me it's another faith, or for me it's no faith at all. But all these things are, all those beliefs are vastly different and cannot be simultaneously true. For example, if you believe, if I believe in God, that's my truth, I believe there is a God, and you have a truth that believes there is no God, those both cannot be true. It's impossible. They are are opposite of each other. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the way. Not a way, not one of many ways. But I am the way. It is the only way. That means that there is no other way to be saved other than through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the God of this world wants you to believe there's many other ways. See, you can't say... One plus one equals two, that's your truth. But my truth is one plus one equals three. And Frank's truth is one plus one equals a thousand. And Larissa's truth is one plus one equals 1,456,393. We all have our own truth. That's nonsense. That's absurd. They cannot all be true. One plus one equals two is true for everywhere, uh, everyone everywhere at all times. Please get this down. It's the same way with God's truth. There is one way of salvation. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, a faith in him and him alone. And if you come up with a different truth, it is not really true at all. It's a deception. You are deceived. You're believing a lie. And when we don't believe in God or when we don't submit to his will, but instead we believe we are God of our own world, we do our own will, the results are devastating. In the book of Judges 17.6, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Well, if there's ever a verse that describes our culture today, it's this. Everybody wants to do what's right in their own eyes. And believe me, if you go back and read the book of of Judges, they reap destruction after destruction after destruction. They would repent. A judge would come on board, brought them back to repentance, get them right with God. Then they would go their own way. God would then whatever. They would have a mess. They would reap devastation in their lives. They would go into bondage or lose everything they have. And they repented. There's this cycle of going on because everybody wanted to do what's right in their own eyes. And people who don't have a king, when people don't follow King Jesus, they always want to do what's right in their own eyes. And you'll even hear them say, don't you judge me. You can't judge me. This is my truth. And they have exalted their truth, their individual truth, their selfish truth above God's absolute truth. And they think they see clearly, but the God of this world has blinded them. They think they are wise, but the wisdom of man is foolishness with God. They do whatever feels right to them to the point now that even what things that God says are wrong are considered rights. So we've got to stay on guard against this world of lies. As Romans 12 two says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what do you do when you catch yourself believing the lies about God? You counter those lies with God's truth. You've got to know the truth, speak the truth, stand on the truth, do warfare with truth, resist the devil and he will flee, stop believing the lies of Satan in this world, start believing the truth of God's Word, study your Bible, don't just skim through it, don't just occasionally read it, you need to immerse yourself in the truth of God's Word so you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You've got to live in it and have it living in you and when you compare man's truth to God's truth, there's a world of difference between them, a world of your own making is is nothing compared to the world that God has made. And if you live in a world of your own making, it will bring you a world of hurt, a world of pain, a world of suffering, a world of loneliness. But the world God is making, the world God has made, is a world of good. And when you follow that world, you'll you'll reap a world of joy and a world of peace. In fact Jesus said this in John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I live with you. I leave with you. My peace I give you. Listen, I do not give to you as the world gives. Amen. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus said he has a peace that is different than the world's peace. A peace that is deeper than the world's peace. A peace that is greater than the world's peace. In fact, Jesus also said in John sixteen I'm closing with this. This is the Amplified Version. In the world. In the world you'll have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. When was the last time you were in good cheer when you had tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration? Be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So whatever the world throws at you, it already threw at Jesus, and he overcame it, and he overcame it for you, not just for himself, but for you. So because of that, you can overcome the world's hate with God's love. You have something greater than the world's wisdom. You have God's wisdom. Jesus has a joy that's greater than the world's joy. Jesus has power that is greater than the world's power. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So overcome the world of lies by the truth of God's word, by the character of God and the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Stand to your feet and give him some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Man, I thought of uh, Ezekiel Elliott today when I brought this fork. Uh, Johnny Harris always does this for me when I'm about the word. He's always telling me, Pastor, feed me, feed me. You know, Ezekiel goes like this. I think they quit feeding Zeke, though, didn't they? They didn't, they didn't feed him. They, they didn't feed him this week. <laughs> but when you come to church, bring your spiritual fork. And, and listen to me. Listen to me. Zeke can't feed himself the ball. But you can feed yourself the word of God. It's anything I can encourage you to do, which I constantly do in my life, uh, get in the Word of God and get the Word in you. What's God saying to you today? By the way, have you ever been born again? Have you ever received Jesus Christ as your, Lord Savior, as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, today is the day of salvation. You can repent of your sin. You can pray a prayer like, Lord, forgive me for everything I've done. I believe you died for my sin. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Change me. I believe you died for me and I confess that you are my Lord. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. You can do that today and you can be born again. If you're watching online, you want to make that decision, just put it in the comments down there and just hashtag my decision and we'll get in contact with you. If you're here today and you want somebody to pray with you about that, just stop by the Welcome Center out here and let us know and we will do that. But we love you. We're so glad you're here. I love you guys so much. I hope you have a great week.